Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. As always, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about themselves, their coaching, and their greatest game. As always, we don't put any limits on it. It can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a college coach, a high school coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. We are making history once again, Chris de Blasio. You know, we've had a nice mixture of South Carolina coaches, New Jersey coaches, college coaches, even folks that aren't really technically coaching right now in California and Ohio. We are going to North Carolina for our first time ever bringing in Coach Heath Vandevender, who just finished his 18th year at Trinity Christian School in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Heath, welcome to the Greatest Games. I appreciate you guys having me, Chris and Brian. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on here tonight. North Carolina, the Tar Heel State, Brian. Do we want any facts about North Carolina? Do you want me to history major it for you? Well, I, would, I would love it. Yeah, so Heath, the joke is, and it's only funny because it's true, history and me do not get along very well. So Tar Heel State, if somebody could educate me, I would love to learn what the Tar Heel State is all about. I really don't. I, I sort of know, but it, it's something I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't help you out on that either. <laughs> I think it had something to do with the tobacco farms and the way people's feet would, would actually get, you know, from walking around in those. I think it has something to do with that. Okay. I can go with that, you know, and I maybe there is, I've heard of Google or Yahoo. Maybe I can search for it later on if I, if I really uh, uh, can't find the answer. So yeah, that's, that's totally cool. <laughs> All right, coach. Uh, what we like to first do is have you kind of take us through uh, your resume and how, how you got to where you are now uh, there at Trinity. Is it Trinity Christian? Yes, sir. Uh, Trinity Christian School Crusaders. Okay. Um, you know, I told, told Brian earlier, I, we really don't, I don't like talking about us as much. So I'm just going to sell this as a program. Uh, you know, been very blessed. God has blessed us over the years. Um, 18 years ago, coach Chuck Webster and myself started the program from scratch. And, uh, so we just finished our 18th year and we've been, uh, very successful and very blessed. Uh, we've got 400 wins now and, um, We've won four state championships and finished runner-up three times out of those 18 years. And, um, either 13 or 14 straight Final Fours now in the 1A uh, in the North Carolina Independent Schools Athletic Association. Uh, 14, 21, 20 win seasons. And then uh, three years ago, we started, uh, we joined and started a new conference here in Fayetteville. There's some really good basketball, obviously, in North Carolina, especially in private school. And then our conference has been really good the last three years. And, you know, we take great pride in, in winning three conference titles in those three years. Uh, we've gone 27 and three in the conference those last three years. And Village Christians won two state championships there in our conference. Freedom's a good team as well. K through Christian, all those guys have been in the Elite Eight for their classifications and divisions. Uh, one tournament title our first year, and then one runner-up tournament title this last year. And uh, probably somewhere between 60 or 70 kids now have moved on from Trinity and are playing college sports or played college athletics and basketball, either at the Division One, Division Two, or junior college level. So. Uh, it's been great for Fayetteville, and uh, it's been great for us. And, and as I said, you know, I've been very blessed to have a lot of really good players and a great coaching staff along the way. 
Coach, we talked a little bit beforehand. You were telling us about starting the school and the athletic programs. Did you guys start with just basketball? Tell us a little bit about what sports no, started actually, with and how it's grown. Yeah, actually, we started with eight-man football. I don't know if they have eight-man football in, in South Carolina oh, yeah. or Jersey or some other places, but we started there and built our way up. And then that first year uh, that we started varsity basketball, we just had a freshman, sophomore, and junior class. So we went 16-9 and nine that first year and uh, did not have a senior class and, you know, was just getting into things and figuring out, uh, you know, what to do. I played small division one basketball at Campbell University, played for a really good guy, Billy Lee, and uh, originally from Indiana, played for Larry Angle in Indiana, and he's in the Hall of Fame there, and then uh, Chip Bishop at Fayetteville Academy. So, you know, just because you coach, I mean, just because you play college basketball does not mean that you, uh, you know, that you can be a good coach or you understand that part of it. It's two totally different things. So, um, you know, I had to get a lot smarter and, and, and learn a lot on the way and still need to learn a lot more moving forward. Um, but that's how everything started. And, and that first year we went 16 to 9. And then that next year we had our first senior class. Yeah, I want to start there because I think it's a great point that, you know, there are lots of great coaches and there's lots of great players. And it's not always the case where a great player is a great coach. So tell us about your early journey as a coach, maybe some beliefs that you came in with that, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I just played Division One college basketball and then maybe figuring out like, oh, that doesn't really work at high school basketball. So just talk about that early journey that's brought you to where you are now. Absolutely. I think every year is just a, it's a different journey and it's a different year. And I think when I first started coaching, I think everybody has certain philosophies or things that, you know, they want their program to stand for, uh, you know, from an X and O standpoint, things like that. And uh, so, you know, like a lot of other guys, I started out that way. And then, um, you know, those first years, you know, we didn't have a six eight, six nine post kid. Uh, you know, we had a kid maybe my height, six four, six five, and or we maybe didn't even have somebody that tall. So, you know, you have to change your philosophy based on the personnel that you have. And I think, um, you know, I think the great coaches adapt uh, to who they have to coach, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, you know, and the game has changed so much just in the last eighteen years. You know, I, I came from Indiana. We play a lot of deny, wing defense, man-to-man. I want to be a big man-to-man guy and uh, and still am. But when you start playing against John Wall and Kobe White, and you know, we, we've coached against probably 15, 20 guys that have, that have played in the NBA or playing in the NBA. You know, sometimes those things don't work. And uh, so you have to decide, uh, you know, how can I put these kids in the best situation to win the game? And uh, so we've changed a lot over the years. And uh, one thing that I'm going to talk to you guys today when we talk about the game that we're going to talk about is winning the state championship, playing, you know, majority of a box and a one, which I'm not a jump defense guy. Um, you know, so I've gone to a lot of camps, Nike camps, talked to a lot of guys and seen a lot of great coaches. Freddie Johnson is in our state and uh, he's one of the very best. And, uh, you know, we played, Brian knows, we played against really good competition over the years. And so you've had to learn how to adapt and adjust, uh, you know, over the years to, to put yourself in a situation to win and put yourself in a situation for your kids to be successful. Coach, you talked about, I'm not going to ask about this, but I just want to mention how great it is. You talked about being from Indiana and now living and coaching in North Carolina for so long. I mean, those are two hotbeds of prep basketball for 70 years. I heard a stat the other day. I'm going completely off kilter here. 
Uh, Vince Carter retired the other day, officially, after 20 years in the NBA. Next year, or when, uh, so next season, when they start up again next season, will be the first time in 55 years that there won't be a Dean Smith coached player in the NBA. How about that? That's incredible stat. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, I think the, the year I moved from Indiana to North Carolina, that was the year that, that Carolina and Indiana played in the national championship. And, um, you know, Isaiah Thomas, you know, had a great game. And uh, you're exactly right. Those are two places that, uh, you know, it's just a, a, a ton of great basketball and, and history for sure. What I wanted to ask you, Coach, is um, talk about what you define as success each season. Um, you know, obviously our goal, we have – what I do is I break it down. We have about five or six team goals every year. Um, you know, it starts with winning our home games. We want to be really good at home. I think that, you know, when you play in a conference and you play your division game, say we're in the 1A division – um, you know, it's really important that you try to win all those games. It's going to help you in seeding. Um, you know, whether you're in the ACC or the Big Ten or, or you're in high school, you know, you always want to win your home game. So that's one goal we set every year, and it's big for our seniors to try to go undefeated at home. And then uh, with the, the conference, we want to win our city. You know, you have bragging rights in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And so, um, you know, we've done that the last three years when in the regular season uh, and going 27 and three <laughs> because, you know, that's the season is so long from November to February, as you know, and, you know, you change things during the season. You try to get better as the season goes on. And, you know, we just want to be playing our best basketball in February. One of our goals is to always win the conference tournament. Uh, that's hard to do because a lot of times you're playing teams for the third time and they know you. And then, uh, you know, every year our goal is to win a state championship. Obviously, we've fallen short. There's been some years that we've won. But I, I think that if you don't establish that goal on the very first day of practice in November and you, you write out the date of that championship game, you give it to everybody, you know, say, for example, it's the 22nd of February. This is where we want to be the 22nd of February in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the time of the game, and this is what our goal is. So, um, you know, we go slow. November and December is our the first part of our schedule that we look at. And then once we get done with our Christmas tournaments, then we kind of reassess where we are and, and move into conference play and try to get better in January and February. And I think you use November and December as a coaching staff to figure out what you can do, what you can't do, um, you know, and then, and then move on. But we always set five or six goals every year, and uh, you try to establish all those goals. All right, Coach, quick funny story. I'm going to talk about myself here. Okay. Uh, you talked about establishing those goals at the beginning of the year. So uh, one year I was coaching freshman basketball, B-team basketball, whatever you guys call it down here. Um, and we had, we had a great team. And my head coach told me, he was like, listen, you're going to be great. We have a county with 65 high schools in our county, which to Southerners is like, yeah, I know. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. <laughs> so we have a county tournament, a varsity county tournament and a freshman county tournament. And I was coaching at a single-A school. But we had a great team. My varsity coach said, you should win the county tournament this year. That's how good you're going to be. And we knew we were going to be good. And you mentioned the date, February 22nd. Well, February 22nd was the date of the championship game. So yeah. I bought our kids warm-up shirts that said 2-22, and it was 2012. And those were the shirts we wore every game in warm-ups. And people told me I was cocky and I was crazy that I got them those warm-up shirts. We played the wow, game – you got to give the kids something to look forward to. 
we were we were we were twenty three and zero, twenty three and zero, and played in the championship game and lost. But okay, but that was our goal for that year, and I wanted them to know it every day. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, and you know this as a coach, everybody that's uh, not in the championship game, even if you lose, they want to be there. <laughs> so all the coaches in the in the stands, they want to be right where you are, even if you don't, you know achieve that final goal, you got a chance to get your kids to that championship game. And, and that's a huge, you know, a huge accomplishment for them in that season. It's eight years later. It's been all downhill since, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> Piggybacking on this, giving kids something to look forward to coach. You have been gracious enough to bring your guys down to the Bojangles bash for several years. Always love having your guys on campus at Ridgeview. Uh, you know, competition there is, is top notch. And as we were talking pre-show, you know, that hasn't always gone your way, wins and losses wise. Um, but looking at 400 wins, 14 straight Final Fours, obviously your plan on the court is is taking care of itself. Um, and I know what kind of job you do as a coach, but what is it about Trinity Christian that has kids wanting to come play for you? What is so special about Trinity Christian that has kids just wanting to come there and, and play? I think the, the thing that is one of the selling points for us is, is that we're a family business, you know, and, and we have that family atmosphere here. We're small, you know, we have 34 seniors that are graduating in June, and that's the biggest senior class that we've ever had. Um, all four of my children go to school here or have graduated from here. And, uh, you know, our staff has been tremendous and they've been here for a long time. Um, we're predominantly African-American, which is a little different uh, probably way that, that most private schools are viewed in North Carolina. Um, you know, a lot of private schools, you know, are very expensive, very elite, and, and we're not that way. Mom and dad, you know, established a school and, and the vision that, that God gave dad, um, you know, was to do it the particular way that we're doing it. And uh, we've been blessed with that. So I think the biggest thing is you establish relationships with your kids and those are lifelong relationships. And, um, you know, we've been successful. We don't have the greatest facilities in the world. We're moving along to get that and, you know, moving that way. Um, but we've, we've played in a ton of big tournaments over the years and, uh, and big games. And um, I think your kid, you have to be real with your kids. And I think uh, if you're real with your kids, um, you know, then you build their trust. And I think, you know, over the years, us putting kids in college, those are your actions and your actions are going to speak louder than your words. And so um, I think we've got a history of being successful and putting kids in school. And I think at the end of the day, if you're a parent and you have an opportunity, um, you know, that God's given your, your child an opportunity to play basketball and get to the next level and get an education for free. Um, you know, I think that, that we are one of those schools, obviously, in Fayetteville that um, you have an opportunity to attend and, and, you know, we'll try to get you from point A to point B for sure. All right, Coach, you know the name of the podcast is The Greatest Game. So at this point in the show, we want to hear about the greatest game you've ever been a part of. And if you have a couple of them, that's totally cool. But with as much information as you can tell us about the greatest game and why it's so special to you, we want to hear it. Well, I thought about, you know, discussing our horse game at Bojangles and how I smoked you, but I nope. decided. Ah! Nope. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, uh, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> we better talk about something else. So, um, you know, we've had so many great games and experiences over the years that I've had a chance and opportunity to be a part of. But the one that I want to talk about today is um, 
the 2017-2018 state championship game we played against Greenfield and my good friend Rob Salters. And they had a kid that, that wasn't too bad named Kobe White. And uh, so, good. Yeah. yeah, he's not too bad. It was a lot of he, fun. He made um, like eight threes in one half against the Knicks this year. I watched that game. He's, uh, he, he was phenomenal. On TV. You know, and, and we had Dennis Smith Jr. Um, you know, June played for us. And, you know, like I said earlier, I've seen Dennis have 40. Uh, in the high school OT against Justin Jackson's team out of Texas. And we've had a lot of good players, coached against John Wall, you know, for a lot of years. And, you know, uh, T.J. Warren and, you know, a lot of guys are still that are playing in NBA. But um, Greenfield and Trinity go way back. And uh, when we first started the program, Greenfield had won the state championship the year before. So I called Rob and didn't know him. He didn't know me. We were starting the program. And I said, well, you guys won the state championship. I want to come play at your place. And he's like, okay. And uh, so we went down there and he beat us by 30. So I got to know real quick what Greenfield basketball was all about and uh, figured out, you know, well, we, we got to get a lot better. And these are the things that we need to do you know, so we can get to Greenfield's level at some point. But, you know, that year was a special year. We started five juniors um, that whole season. Um, K.J. Marshall, who went to Pittsburgh and, and transferred. Now he's at Garden City in Kansas. Joey Baker's at Duke. Uh, D.C. Tony is at Pittsburgh. Greg Gant is at Providence. Talton Jones is a D1 kid. He's at Cape Fear Community College there in Wilmington. And they had a, he had a great freshman year. And then, you know, Greenfield had Kobe White, who was the player of the year, you know, Gatorade player of the year in North Carolina that year, McDonald's All-American, um, you know, one of the leading scorers in the state uh, in the history of North Carolina. And he just had an unbelievable run, you know, his senior year. Had Elijah McCadden, who went to Georgia Southern, who was also a, a senior, and Elijah was a good player. And then they had a, a younger kid, uh, the Bailey kid that uh, committed to Wake Forest. And then when Danny was let go, he's, you know, he's at Richmond now. So during the season, we split. We played him the first time in Fayetteville. And um, a DC Tony for us had a tip in at right before the buzzer. And we won that game 73 to 71. But Kobe had 38 points of those 71. Uh, so we got done that game and, you know, we came in that game and we talked earlier in the podcast about changing your style and adjusting things. You know, we just played a lot of, of man and no help. And then, you know, we would pick and choose different parts of the floor that we were going to trap him off of ball screens. And, you know, he had 38 points. So obviously what we did did not, you know, didn't work. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then we go to their place, I think it was the first of February and, uh, they beat us 78-72, and he had 35. So in that game, you know, I was super smart and decided we're going to play, you know, a lot of box and one that game. We'll mix it up. And, uh, you know, so Rob did a great job at halftime. And, he, you know, they started ball screening on the wings and ball screening at the top. And our guys didn't, you know, we would lose him after the first initial screen. And uh, so he had 35. So – uh, you know, watch film, figure it out. Okay, kid's got 38 first game, we win by two at the buzzer. He's got 35 the second game. So he's averaging, you know, a smooth 36.5 on us, you know, and, and we got a chance to probably play him down the road in the state championship. Um, you know, and, and most everybody had picked, you know, Trinity and Greenfield for the 1A state title that year. So I think they were like 25 and eight and, and we were 24 and six. And, you know, you got eight, you know, future D1 guys, you know, on that team. So, uh, you know, Kobe's dad had, uh, had tragically passed that summer in August. And so, you know, he dedicated that senior year to his dad. And, 
you know, he just had an amazing senior year. So we get to the championship game and we made some adjustments, uh, you know, in our boxing one and different things that we wanted to do. And so a couple of things that we did, we, uh, you know, we run a lot of one, two, two press and, and we've got some different calls that we run out of our 12 series that Brian's seen. And, you know, sometimes we'll trap the very first pass and it's more of a go. Um, you know, sometimes we'll run a, a different call where we'll trap the entire possession uh, with that point guy, you know, whether it's front court, back court. But when we played Kobe, the thing we wanted to do was we backpedaled the entire time and we just tried to mess up his tempo a little bit, make him, you know, have some extra passes, uh, try to limit the possessions a little bit because he, he's so – he's just got a different gear. You know he's going to be a pro. And, uh, and we had really good players too. And we got, you know, all those guys were juniors, but, you know, you got – Joey's at Duke and, and the DC's at Pitt. And so you guys two ACC kids there. And then Greg Gant, you know, is a Providence and, and they do a great job there in the Big East. So the change was in our boxing one, we decided that, you know, the, the guy that was the hot read, the guy that was guarding Kobe, we we're going to let him take the screen. And then we we're going to take the, sec, the the top two guys on the elbows and we're just going to switch that. And we we're going to pinch him as much as we could on the top. Uh, in the slots, and then when they would run some wing screens in those short corners or baselines. So we would always rotate guys. So if you know, the guy got the screen, he would take the screen and fall back into the top or fall back into the bottom on the block. And then the other guy would come up, and he's the hot read. So he would, and we wanted to attack him. Instead of waiting for him to come off that screen and attack us, we wanted to attack him, make him pick a side, whether it's right or left, so we could try to get a double or just try to – you know, make him work as hard as we could in that game. And uh, came out slow. I think in the first quarter we were down 12 to 8. And then at halftime, I think we were down 26-25. But uh, D.C. Tony had 17 points all in the second half. And uh, Coach Chuck really challenged him at halftime because he was playing scared. And D.C.'s a big kid. He's 6'6", 205, 210. And, uh, you know, Greenfield played a lot of 2-3 zone, um, you know, to, to, to go against us because we had some bigger wings, you know, Greg and a DC and, and Joey are all 6-7, you know, 6-8. And um, so we got a little bit of the lead in third quarter and, and could get him to a man-to-man situation. But, you know, it just was a phenomenal game. We ended up winning the state title 70-62. Uh, to Kobe ended up fouling out late in the fourth quarter to a standing ovation. And, um, you know, he only had 25 points. <laughs> so we felt like, uh, you know, we did a great job on him to hold him to 25. And, you know, our, our point going into that game was, you know, make somebody else beat us. You know, he's great. Uh, he's going to get his. But let's challenge him in the zone. Let's make sure we, we have a lot of action going towards him at the bottom of the zone. We attacked the backboard really well. Um, had a lot of putbacks and offensive rebounds. And, um, you know, I just think that's a game that our kids are going to remember for a long time. And, you know, like I said earlier, you got eight Division One guys that played in that game. And we have so much respect for Greenfield and Rob. And, you know, they've got five state championships and we've got four. And, um, you know, got to coach against Kobe for four years and see him develop. And, um, you know, he's just a great young man and, um, you know, very proud of everything that he's gone on to accomplish at Carolina and for the Chicago Bulls. And then my guys – you know, love my guys and, and particularly KJ and, and, and Joey and Greg and Towton. You know, they played for me for four years. And, um, you know, Towton guarded him a lot uh, in the man. And then we had a kid that's playing wide receiver at Cincinnati. 
uh, football for the Bearcats, uh, DeAndre Ginyard, and DeAndre played him a lot as well. And just tried to put a lot of different bodies on him and challenge him as much as we could. And, uh, you know, those 25 points were definitely hard-earned points. Coach, you talked about um, he um, averaged 36 and a half in the first two meetings against you. I mean, what was he averaging anyway? He was probably averaging 32 a game anyway. Yeah, he, he was uh, – yeah, he had a ton of points that year. I know he had 50 uh, against somebody. And then they played in the John Wall the holiday tournament that year, and he, he was putting up crazy numbers there. I think he had a game where he had 40, 45. Um, you know, so he, he can score with the best of them for sure. I think he passed Donald Williams that year as the, the leading oh, wow. scorer in North Carolina history. Yeah. Where was the game? The game was at Forsyth Country Day in the in Louisville, which is near like Winston Salem area. Okay. And Coach so- Williams was was there. Um, he walked in, and I, I looked at our staff. I was like, "Great, Kobe's going to try to go for 50. <laughs> <laughs> His college coach just walked in the door. That's not going to be good. Heath, the way you're describing that, I mean, they're as you mentioned, there are some dudes on that floor. I mean, some pros, high D1 kids, and looking at your stat line, you get 18 from Greg Grant, uh, Greg Gant, 17 from Tony, 16 from Marshall, 16 from Baker. I'm struck. And and you've coached – I mean, all those guys are dudes, and you've coached some real dudes. How do you get your kids to – I mean, that that balance of scoring in a state championship game against Kobe White, in this big-time atmosphere – how do you get your guys to buy in and say, hey, we're, we're in this together? What, what, are, what are you doing to get that out of those guys? Well, I think the, the big thing is KJ and Joey and Greg all came to us, I think, like in fifth or sixth grade. And they've all played together, you know, ever since they were little. So there was a chemistry there with that group to start with. And then they played, you know, when we had Dennis Smith Jr., I think Joey and KJ and Greg were in eighth grade. Um, you know, and then the year he got – he actually got hurt in the summer before his senior year. And we won the state championship that that senior year he didn't play um and those guys were freshmen so they'd been in a lot of big games and like you know even if we come to Bojangles and and we get our butt kicked you know they're going to play against good people and and we can sit down and look at tape and figure out where we can get better and that's those are big games for us in December getting ready for your, your conference schedule in January and your state playoff schedule in February so they they were very unselfish we've always had good chemistry um you know I've always been a type of coach that I, I don't care who our leading scorer is. I just look for efficiency. And obviously we run certain sets for certain kids to highlight their, you know, their strengths. And then there's some guys that, you know, they're on that night. So we'll run some extra stuff for them. But, you know, our biggest thing is we've always wanted people to just be selfless and play hard. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of those other things will take care of themselves. And, you know, with Joey, Social media wanted to make it Carolina versus Duke, you know, every time we played Kobe and, you know, we sit down and talk and it's not that it's not Carolina versus Duke. That'll be down the road. Um, you know, it's, it's Trinity and Greenfield and, and just do the things that we've asked you to do play within yourself and you're going to be fine. And he actually picked up three fouls early in that game and, and, uh, and then came out, and had, but he, he hit, I think three or four threes and had a big second half and played good defense for us. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun coaching Joey and that team. That, that team will go down as one of the best teams ever in Trinity history for sure. Coach, talk about um, the first – the second time you played them, you tried the box and won, and then you were going to go back to it in the championship game. Talk about 
maybe you and your assistants talking about it and selling it to the team that we're going to try this, you know, and yeah. so that it's not something you normally do. Honestly, just from hearing the players that you have, it's not something you have to usually worry about doing. So talk about selling that to the kids as, listen, this is not traditional, but this yeah. is going to help us win the game. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a gap man-to-man guy. Um, you know, we do a lot of help and recover. We do a lot of drills on closeouts and rotations. And, you know, you know, we primarily play man and we press and, and we want to, you know, get after people. Uh, but when you play people like him, you know, his strength is, you know, and he's a big kid, 6'4", great ball handler. He can shoot deep threes. And, you know, they did a really good job of running everything through him and their kids would space well. And if he could get a paint touch on a dribble drive, he'd kick it out and they could shoot a three and they had good players. So we watched film after that game. And, uh, you know, we were like, okay, this is what we want to do. We want to tweak this. Uh, I honestly don't know how much we're going to use it. You know, because we got to get stops, and he's going to make some baskets. He's he's a phenomenal scorer. But we tweaked it, and uh, we practiced it or simulated it as much as we could. We didn't obviously have a Kobe White, um, you know, in practice, but um, they bought into it. You know, they're they're crazy enough to believe in me that that what that we thought from a coaching staff that it could work. And um, then I think once we got in the game and they started seeing that, you know, how we would take the screen and switch and then the next guy would rotate up and then we try to pinch on certain parts of the floor to get the ball out of his hands. Um, you know, I think that as the game went on, they started believing it more and, you know, both either team could win. We, you know, we split during the regular season and, and both guys were, you know, both teams were very good. And, um, you know, the biggest thing that I try to get them to do and understand is look, let's make somebody else other than Kobe beat us. If we're going to lose, you know, let somebody else come in and hit like six threes that, you know, that, that we're trying to pick our poison and keep Kobe out of the paint or, or make him shoot contested jump shots. So uh, kudos to them for believing in what we did. And at the end of the day, they went out and executed. That's, that's interesting. You talk about that, about making somebody else beat you. That's always the, um, the, the question when you're playing such a singular talent. And it goes as far back as Pete Maravich. And I want to say Pete Maravich scored 60 points all six times he played Kentucky, and Kentucky won five of the six games. And no three-point line. Right. But their, their theory was, let Maravich do what he's going to – like, he, you know, Adolph Rupp's thing was, he's going to score 50 whether yeah. we try to stop him or not. So yeah. let him do what he's going to do and stop everybody else. It's a, you know – I don't think there's any wrong or right way to do it. No, and like, you know, we've all had some time during the pandemic to watch um, some movies and ESPN 30 and 30 and things like that. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, the Jordan rules and the last dance and even the bad boys and all of that, they were like, Jordan's going to get his, you know, they just were concentrating to make sure that Pippen, uh, you know, didn't, he's not the one that started to hurt him. And then when Pippen got better and, you know, Paxson got better and Kerr got better and those other guys, you know, that was the big change because Jordan's always going to be Jordan. You talk about back to this game here. You talk about the Tony kid. He has zero points at the half, comes yes. out for 17 after Coach Webster digs into him a little bit, you know, and Frank Martin's one of my all-time favorite guys ever. And he talks about when, when, when fans and people say, well, kids these days, they don't get it. And he's like, no, 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 it's not kids these days. Kids can do it. So, like, I, I guess my question is what – I don't want to – I don't necessarily – because this is somewhat of a family show. I don't want to hear exactly what was said to, to, to Mr. Tony here. Uh, but, but talk about his, his grit. And, and maybe I think what I'm 
angling this question towards is this trust that he had to have in you and Coach Webster for him to dig into him and him to say, hey, I'm going to go out and score 17. And then everybody else on the floor to say, all right, he's going off. Let's give him his space here to do that. And just, I don't know where my question is, but just tell us a little bit more about that, the 17 points in the second half. Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, the relationship that you build in the classroom as a teacher with those guys first. So you're not just a basketball coach. And um, Adisi's a dog. He's, he's, a, he's a very good player. He's already had two very good years at Pitt, um, you know, and he just – we really thought that physically – he started out guarding Kobe. He was the first guy to guard him in the box of one. And uh, 6'6", 205, um, very – probably the best rebounding guard I've ever had in 18 years. We just felt like he was playing – um, conservative, you know, didn't want to lose the game, but wasn't playing well enough to win the game. You know, let, let Joey do it, let KJ do it, let Greg do it. And uh, so Chuck just really challenged him at, at halftime. He didn't have any points. And, you know, that there's just – we need a DC to play. You know, you are a physical presence in this game. And, uh, and he ended up fouling Kobe out. And, um, you know, and he's strong in the 2-3, and he can shoot in the high post as well and run the, the floor and very athletic. And so – you know, Chuck, you know, Chuck got into him at, at halftime and basically challenged him in front of the team to play better and to play like a D.C. Tony. And, uh, you know, D.C. was was great in the second half and had 17 points and played real physical, hit some big foul shots down the road, I mean, down the stretch. And, um, you know, he, he executed and, you know, he believed in us that, that we had his best interest at heart. And, um, you know, he was tough. He was tough in the second half. and We wouldn't have won that game without him for sure. All right, Coach, we come now to the end of the podcast, and we, this is my favorite question to ask. I don't know if you listen to one all the way through and know the question coming, but if I talk to a kid that played for you on that first Trinity Christian team 18 years ago, and I talk to a kid that played for you this year, what's the thing they say that Coach V says over and over again? What's the, what's the mantra or what's the teaching point that you just find yourself repeating? And when Coach – and when the kids do, I always like to say this, the kids have a Coach V impersonation, whether you've heard it or not, they have it. What's the saying they use during their Coach V impersonation? Uh, that's a tough question. So, no, I did not listen to one all the way through. Um, probably that I'm still crazy. Uh, they think I'm crazy. I'm not very demonstrative on the floor. Brian can tell you that. I think that's I've right. had five technicals in 18 years, so – really try to coach the kids, but I get crazy in practice and that's where I go after them in practice. So I would hope that they would say from, from year one to year 18, that, that coach Heath loves me and uh, he's always there for me. I can pick up the phone and call him or go by and see him. And uh, you know, it's going to be a lifelong relationship for sure. That's a great answer. Boring, but a great answer. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> a great answer. Don't listen great to answer. me. <laughs> Don't listen to me. But you know, I, I can, I can attest to that. You know, like I said, I've referenced the bash a couple of times. You bring your dudes in here. And as it, like I said, you've got some really high level players and they all just, they just, they just listen to you guys. There's just a, there's an aura around your bench that I can't describe. Words won't even do it justice. Your kids just go out and play and it's, 
evidenced by the story you talk about that state championship game that your greatest game to uh to talk about it's just it's really special and it's just uh can't thank you enough for coming on the show and telling us about that it's been great to to get to know you a little bit more and it'll be great to have you back down hopefully in december post pandemic i'm I'm knocking on wood here for 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 another bojangles bash but again can't thank you enough for coming on the show it's been great chris brian i appreciate it we're looking forward to uh next season and getting back to normal all of us for sure that's right well for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.